Welcome to the Portraits Personas podcast. This is episode 12. Emily, how's it going? Going great. Having a good day. Ready to discuss the return of the yellow wig. Ooh, and pop art. Yeah, this is our pop art wig. Absolutely. There aren't too many bright yellow haired females in the canon of Western art history. So we do tend to delve back into pop art. So this is probably maybe one of the last times we'll be able to do this joke. What's popping? So today we are discussing the portrait of Grace Kelly made in 1984 by Andy Warhol. And just a brief refresher, Andy Warhol's life dates were 1928 to 1987. He is known as the father of pop art in America. Pop art predated him in England for a little while before it made its way over here. So he is a well-known figure in the history of pop art. Hallmarks of pop art are bright colors, notable faces, labels, logos. He kind of jumped to fame from his Campbell Soup series. And then after that, he began creating screen print series of celebrities, including Marilyn Monroe, who we discussed before, Elvis, Elizabeth Taylor. And then today, Grace Kelly is who we are discussing. He often created these works to honor the people after their deaths. That was the situation with Marilyn, although the timing was unintentional. But with Grace Kelly, this was made two years after her untimely death. It does have a memorial aspect to it as well. We see her looking up at the viewer. It's just kind of a pretty close cropped image of her face. She has a serene expression. Her hair, which was blonde in real life, is the vivid yellow that I use the wig for. And she just has a black shirt of some kind, a bright blue background. And then there's some kind of like technicolor almost details created in lines across her hair, her eyes, her eyelashes around her jaw, just kind of adding that extra detail. So there are those vivid pops of color that we recognize from other pop art portraits in here as well. And it kind of like, you could see that there's an earring, which I which you could see a lot easier in your recreation, but it looks like there's an earring in there that's outlined. And Yes, so for that, all I could interpret was that it was a circle. So Warhol must have been really inspired by film stills. So this is based on a film still of her cinematic debut in 14 Hours, which was a film in 1951. So he based this off of that photo. And then he would have added in the bright yellow and then the teal background or sky blue. I don't know, it's like a teal, sky blue, nebulous kind of bluish color. You would think, I guess I would call it a sky blue background. And then we see some mint green and bright orange in her hair, as well as the orange outlining her eyebrows, eyelashes, around her lips and jaw. And we see some more of the sky blue also kind of in her eyebrow and almost like eyeliner under her eye and over the iris of her eye. She did have blue eyes in real life. So that would have emphasized her coloring to the extreme with the blonde and blue eyes becomes bright yellow and bright blue with his added details. I have to imagine the build for this wasn't too complicated. Was it just deciding how much or how little makeup you were going to use alongside styling the wig? The build was not that complicated. The wig styling, as usual, you know, this is synthetic hair. It's very shiny and slippery. So I did do kind of an updo for that that took a minute and I posted some photos of that. And then I think the most challenging part of the updo was smoothing the hair back. So these wigs have very distinct 
hairline. So if it has like a particular part, like a center or a side part, you know, the hair will not smooth back over that like natural hair would because the hair is sewn in in a particular way. So the track of the hairline is there, but I was able to smooth it back decently well. Then I, I had to smooth it back, but also leave some pieces up front to cover the wig line. You can kind of see my natural hair peeking through just a little near the ear. So that was tricky. And, you know, I style this the day before, or a few days before, and then always putting it back on my hair to not disrupt the styling that I've taken the time to do. That's always a little bit of a tense moment, but I was very pleased with the hairstyling. And then, you know, I just put on a black sweater and it looks, we see kind of like a circular outline on her ear. So I just interpreted that as a, as a circular earring. I had these earrings just with like my initials monogrammed on them. Luckily, you can't see too obviously that it says EEM on them. I thought the shape worked and I used a blue sweater behind me and I thought the color match for that was pretty good. And then for the makeup, I have all sorts of color eyeliner. So I kind of mixed, I have like an electric blue eyeliner and a bright teal eyeliner. And I kind of mixed those together to get that kind of bluish color because the blue was too dark and the teal was too green. So I mixed them together to do like an eyeliner under my eye to kind of mimic that effect. And then I have this goldish bronze eyeliner that I put over my eyebrow to mimic the orange lines that you see on her face. And then you see a slight blue line under the bottom of her eyebrow as well. So I put a little blue under each eyebrow too, but primarily I, I use the bronze over all over the entire eyebrow with a little blue and then mix the two colors to get the under eye effect. So the makeup was fairly simple, the styling fairly simple. And then this was also pre-tripod. So I had to position my arm in a way because she's looking up at the viewer or the, the or it would have been the camera and the film still. So I needed to position my arm to do the long arm selfie, but not still keep my arm. Yeah, you know, you have to like put your arm up, but not too high so that your shoulder's not obscuring the body position like it's meant to. Finding the right place to look wasn't totally, she had her face tilted one way, the eyes sort of going the other way. So took a minute to get the face position right and then get that kind of not smile smile. She just looks very peaceful and elegant. So it took a few moments and a few tries and perfectionist Emily also looks back at this and sees the like tiny sliver of gray wall where I hadn't pulled down the sweater enough. But you know, perfection is an illusion. There's no such thing. Is that something that's a little exciting when you pick out the picture and you're just like, oh, this build won't be too bad. Absolutely. And usually when that happens, it's kind of a less exciting work of art, but this was still an exciting work of art to look at visually and was fairly easy to recreate. So I had the best of both worlds. I'm not that familiar with Grace Kelly. I recognize the name. I thought she was an actress. What's the story of the painting? What's the story of, uh, because we, I guess we'll go into Grace Kelly, maybe a little Warhol in there as well. What's the history of the picture? Yeah, so this was made in 84, kind of in the heyday of his celebrity portrait series. This is silkscreen, just like Marilyn. We can post the video of how silkscreens are made. It's just impossible to describe verbally without a visual aid. So this is one of several prints and the ones I found often up for auction, etc., had a number Many of them had blank out of 225. So I think at least, I don't know if that means 225 copies were made. 
but I know there were a bunch of these that were made. I'm not sure if that many were actually made, but they, he did number his prints. So this is of Grace Kelly, who is still to this day known as one of the most elegant women in history. She was born in 1929 in Philly. She died in 1952 in Monaco. Her father was an Olympic gold medalist. He owned a contracting company. Mother was a teacher at Penn, first female coach of women's athletics there. So she came from an interesting family of athletes, basically. And she started off on Broadway, did some modeling, TV work, and then eventually made her film debut in 14 Hours, which again, a film still of that is what this image is based on. And she had some a bit of a rocky start with her acting career, but then made her way and was in higher demand. She appeared in several films. She had won an Oscar for leading actress for the film Country Girl. She was also in a few Hitchcock films, including two of my favorites of all time, Dial M for Murder and Rear Window. So if you're looking for a Grace Kelly movie to start with, and you like Hitchcock, I would highly recommend Rear Window or Dial M for Murder. So she met Prince Rainier III, Ranier, I, I don't know, my French is rusty. He was the Prince of Monaco. They met at the 1955 Cannes Film Festival. And a year later, they were married. So they had kind of a whirlwind romance. And that was kind of one of the first royal weddings that were televised and had this like fervor that we see now, like similar to Prince William and Kate Middleton and Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. So Princess Grace is how we will remember her now. She was a princess. She died a princess. Because of her royal duties, she did quit acting. They were married in 1955. So her film career... You know, she debuted in 51. By 55, she was married. So only four years of film career. So there aren't a lot of films under her resume, but she still made an impact. Since she wasn't able to act, she kind of turned her efforts to philanthropy. She was actually a huge supporter of the arts, especially in Monaco. She founded the Princess Grace Foundation in 64, and that was meant to support local artists. So she was super involved in that. And to the point after her death, a USA branch of the Princess Grace Foundation was established, and I believe it still exists, and the mission is still the same, to support emerging artists in all sorts of arts. She was just one of those people that I still remember for her grace, had to do the pun, her grace and beauty, and her impact on philanthropy, and she did die tragically. She was driving home to her country house with her daughter, and she had a stroke at the age of 52, she lost control of the car and died of her injuries a day later. Her daughter survived, but Princess Grace did not. And so that was in 1982, two years before Warhol made this portrait. And many, many versions of it still exist. That is the cool thing about screen printing. So many versions still exist, and they're all slightly different with the color. So this is an image, if you just... Google Warhol, Grace Kelly, you'll see all sorts of versions of this all over in collections, up for auction still. And it's, I just think it's an interesting piece, even though you can tell it has like the still quality of a photograph. I think he added some dynamic color that just really sparkles, for lack of a better word. I just, I love the color palette so much. I think it really captures how vibrant she was as a person. That's really interesting. And a little bonus fact, I guess I could have made this a stump, but I just noticed while we were looking and talking, when she won her Oscar, she actually beat out A Star is Born, 
That's who she was up against. It was uh, Judy Garland and A Star Is Born. That's who she uh, beat out for her mm-hmm. Oscar. Here we are. A Star Is Born has come back to be remade by Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I think she had a rocky start to her acting career, but she got like acting lessons and just a couple years later was winning an Oscar. So it just goes to show the power of tenacity and sticking to things you're passionate about. Uh, are you ready to be stumped? Yes, I am. Although, I mean, maybe I'll have a surprising victory like last week. You never know. Well, this is, a, I didn't prepare a backup stump. I just know that uh, I am, I'm trying to be as silly as possible with these. So Annie Warhol's Grace Kelly, as you said, painted in the year 1984. As most people know, one of the most popular novels all around is 1984 by George Orwell. What year did that book come out? Oh, man. Ha-ha! <laughs> I didn't know this. I did read that in school. Uh, 1951. 1949. You were close. I was closer than I would have expected. That and was that's, pretty close. That's respectable. I, I, feel, I feel okay about it. The bird will not fly, but it's fluttering at a low... A low it woke it, up. It, it like up. looked it, over. It's, it's like, huh. It is. It's off the... It's like you know, hovering slowly above ground. So. (laughs) I do feel like this is a little bit better than when I was like, in this time they made American money and it's less of a- The (laughs) Jacks. It's not about the Jack this time. We're not connecting like red thread between things. I feel like 1984 is fair-ish. Alrighty, well, thank you, Emily. I guess it's time for our teaser. Absolutely. Next week we will be discussing kind of one of my first- kind of contemporary, we're back in the world of photography, but this is someone who's still alive, who's around my age. So this was kind of my first dive into something contemporary to recreate a photo of someone who I've been told I look like. So it was a a doppelganger, multiple layer of twinning Tuesday. And uh, I'll, I'll give people a secondary hint because fun thing, the first time I saw this name, I had an incorrect pronunciation that I stuck with until I said it in front of someone and they went, that's not how you say that. Oh, no. Notorious mispronunciations. I'm afraid to hear it. Next week, we'll be talking about a photo of Adelaide. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Adelaide. Adelaide. That is our next featured wow. artist on Forge of Personas. Thank you so much, wow. Emily. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>